0: The humid summer heat rolled in with a pleasant breeze as the aging king sat in the window of a castle, overlooking a bloody battle in the harbor. Without warning, the anxious king watched as his prized vessel listed severely, rolling over and sinking without another word. The king was in shock at what he'd just seen. How did the Mary Rose go from the pride of the Tudor fleet to the bottom of the harbor in what seemed like seconds? Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday, my name is Eleanor. Just a quick disclaimer for our younger audience before we dive in. This story may be disturbing to some, so viewer discretion is advised. Okay everyone, let's get into it. We continue Warship Month with Episode 3. If you didn't know, I also have a fascination with the Tudor Dynasty, particularly with the bizarre reign of Henry VIII and the tragedy that befell his six wives. Today's ship just so happens to be one ordered by King Henry VIII. Let me give you some context as to what was going on during this time in England, as the world was very different from what it is now, and so were the ships. King Henry VIII, born Henry Tudor on June 28, 1491, was the second son of King Henry VII and Elizabeth of York. Following the death of his older brother, he became heir to the throne and ascended to become King of England on April 22, 1509 until he died on January 28, 1547. During his father's reign, the House of Tudor had been established, which ended the civil war between the houses of York and Lancaster, the War of Roses. Henry V, known for his illustrious wartime victory at Agincourt, also was ambitious on the seas. However, his ambition didn't carry over to later generations, with only six ships being built for the crown from 1422 to 1509. King Henry VIII, however, understood the power that a strong navy possessed, and so he'd oversee the building of numerous ships during his reign. When he became king, he'd only inherited two notable carracks from his father, regent and sovereign. Now, we will finally get into Mary Rose, as she comes into play. Just a few months after the young Henry VIII ascended the throne, he ordered two new carracks, Mary Rose and Peter Pomegranate. It's possible Mary Rose was ordered shortly before his reign began, since it's uncertain when exactly he ordered the ship, but we do know he oversaw her construction. She was laid down 514 years ago on January 29, 1510 being launched sometime in July of 1511, and completed in 1512. Before we get any further into her history or the Tudor dynasty, let's look at her specs. Mary Rose was a carvel built Carrick, as I noted earlier, which is a three or four-masted, ocean-going sailing ship, and they were developed in the 14th to 15th centuries in Europe, mostly in Portugal and Spain. Mary Rose had high castles fore and aft, with a tumblehome hull, which is a hull that gets narrower above the waterline. Keep in mind the exact number of her specs are merely estimates, being she is so old and history from back then isn't always 100% reliable. Her displacement is in tons burthen, also known as Builder's Old Measurement, and so she displaced 500 tons burthen at launch, and 700 to 800 tons burthen after a refit in 1536. We don't know exactly how long she was or her beam, since these exact measurements were not recorded. What we do know is that it was quite the undertaking to build her at Portsmouth, requiring around 600 large oaks, which would be about 40 acres of woodland. Mary Rose had four levels separated out into three decks, being served by a complement of 200 sailors, 185 soldiers, and 30 gunners at any given time. Based upon recent discoveries, she was served by a multi-ethnic crew, which wasn't as common back then as it is now. This honestly surprised me simply because of what we know of Henry VIII. He had a vile temper and distaste for other mindsets that didn't align with his. Mary Rose was armed with 78-91 to guns, and we might not ever know the exact number. They were in cut-out gun ports along the hull of the ship, and this made combat from ship to ship possible and deadly. We might not ever know how many sails she had, but it's assumed she could have had nine or ten of them rigged from four separate masts and a bowsprit. With her sail set up, she was quite impressive compared to her contemporaries, with Admiral Edward Howard describing her as, quote, the noblest ship of sail of any great ship, at this hour, that I believe to be in Christendom. Despite this high praise, experts have gone back and re-examined her sailing capabilities, believing that many ships during this era were almost incapable of sailing close to the wind, with experts claiming the handling of the Mary Rose was like, quote, a wet haystack. There's many rumors about the source of her name, one of them being Henry VIII's favorite sister, Mary Tudor, and the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary is the most likely candidate, because it was commonplace to give names associated with Christianity or their royal patrons. No direct evidence exists that states the ship was named after the king's sister, so I'm going to go ahead and assume it's more than likely named after the Virgin Mary. Mary Rose's sister ship, Peter Pomegranate, was likely named after St. Peter and the badge of the Queen of England at the time, Catherine of Aragon, which was a pomegranate. The Virgin Mary is also associated with the nickname Rosa Mystica, which translates to Mystic Rose, and thus that could have contributed to the name of the Mary Rose. It's also possible that the rose portion came from the emblem for the House of Tudor, which was a rose. Again, all of this is up in the air, so take it with a grain of salt. And leave a little grain of love for us in the comments if you enjoy sailing ships. If you're enjoying this video, leave me a like, subscribe to the channel for more content, and let me know down in the comments section below. Alright, let's get into Mary Rose's military career. In 1512, Mary Rose would see her first battle during the First French War. Spain and England joined forces in a naval operation against France, with Spanish forces attacking the French in the Bay of Biscay, and then moving on to Gascony, while the English were to engage Breton and French fleets in the English Channel. Remember Sir Edward Howard from earlier? He'd be appointed Lord High Admiral and chose Mary Rose to be his flagship, taking her on his first mission to clear out the French forces from England to the northern coast of Spain to open up the way for supporting troops landing near the French border at Fuenterebilla. This fleet had 18 ships, including Regent and Peter Pomegranate, with 5,000 men spread out amongst these 18 vessels. Howard's expedition was overall successful, with the successful capture of 12 Breton ships, followed by a four-day raid on Brittany. The fleet was back in Southampton by June, being visited by King Henry VIII himself. I'm assuming he was pleased, since no one was beheaded or sent to the Tower of London during this visit, as far as I know. Two months later in August, Mary Rose and the fleet set sail for Brest, and there they ran into a ragtag French Breton fleet of ships at the Battle of St. Matthew. The English ripped the French a new one, and the French fled from the battle with their tails between their legs. The Bretons remained, with their flagship Cordelier, fighting valiantly, being boarded by the crew of Regent. Either by accident or the refusal of the crew of Cordelier to surrender, we don't know for certain, the powder magazine was set aflame, burning until it exploded violently, unfortunately catching Regent ablaze as well. The ship would burn until she eventually sank, with only about 180 English crew managing to be saved. A few Bretons survived the sinking of their ship, but they were captured, and with how bloody this era was for human nature, I can only assume the worst for them. 600 soldiers and sailors, the captain of Regent, the steward to the town of Morlaix, and the High Admiral of France were killed in the sinking. This is why we know so much about it. It was recorded over and over. On August 11, 1512, the English burnt and destroyed 27 French ships, captured five other vessels, and moved on to Brest where they offloaded forces to raid and take prisoners. However, this siege was cut short when Storms forced Mary Rose and her fleet to retreat back to Dartmouth in Devon for safety, and then on to Southampton to repair. Early on the following year, Mary Rose once again was chosen to be Edward Howard's flagship, and she'd make a move on the French. On April 11th, the fleet arrived just off Brest to see a small fleet of ships join up with the larger fleet in Brest Harbor. The French had gained galleys from the Mediterranean, which were much nimbler ore-powered vessels, and these galleys sank one English ship and damaged another. Though Howard was able to offload troops near Brest, they weren't able to push in on the town and they started to run dangerously low on supplies. He wanted to push for victory, so he took a small force of small oared boats to attack the front lines on the French galleys on April 25th. Howard did come face to face with the ship of the French Admiral and attempted to board it with the help of a small party. Unfortunately for Howard, the French didn't want that, and so they cut the cables attached to the two ships, which separated Edward Howard from his men, and the soldiers aboard the galley instantly killed him. The fleet, having lost their admiral and close to starvation, returned to Plymouth with their heads hung low. Edward Howard's older brother, Thomas Howard, received the title as the new Lord Admiral, and he was tasked with arranging yet another attack on Brittany. The winds were not on their side, and it was difficult to gather supplies for the convoy, so they weren't able to move forward with their planned attack. Mary Rose docked for winter in Southampton. In August of 1513, the Scottish aligned themselves with the French, but the English clapped back with a crushing victory at the Battle of Floden on September 9th. The French and English went tit-for-tat all summer, but neither accomplished much, instead merely exhausting themselves. By the time the leaves changed colors for fall, the war was finished and a peace treaty fell over the two countries, sealed by Henry VIII's sister, Mary Tudor, marrying French King Louis XII. With this peace, Mary Rose would be placed on reserve. She and her sister ship, Peter Pomegranate, were laid up for maintenance in July 1514, She'd undergo more regular maintenance in 1518, which included waterproofing with tar and old rope fibers, called oakum, and routine repairs and caulking. After this, a small skeleton crew was tasked to live aboard her and maintain her until 1522. After this, she'd serve on a reconnaissance-type mission where she'd look over the seas and ensure the safety of King Henry VIII as he journeyed across the English Channel to the summit with then-French King Francis I at the Field of the Cloth of Gold in June of 1520. If you're on an audio-only format like Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, make sure to subscribe for more episodes and leave us a five-star review since it helps us reach more listeners like you. Check out our community tab on YouTube to keep up with us, and we are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay, back to the story. Next we move into the Second French War. England and France once again were at war in 1522 because of England's treaty with the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. This war was brief, with Mary Rose transporting troops in June of 1522, and on July 1st, the Breton port of Morlaix was captured by the English. After this, Mary Rose and Fleet headed for home to Birth for Winter, with Mary Rose heading to Dartmouth. The war continued into 1525, with the Scottish once again backing the French. However, the French army was defeated and King Francis I was captured by Charles V's forces during the Battle of Pavia on February 24, 1525. With the war finishing with England not even getting so much as a participation trophy, they didn't win, they didn't lose, they were just present. There'd be a long-lasting period of respite for Mary Rose, as she'd sit in reserve from 1522 to 1545, with regular maintenance being done to the ship. Little documentation about Mary Rose from the years 1528 to 1539 exists, but we know that she was around at the time. According to a document by Thomas Cromwell, Mary Rose and six other vessels were, quote, made new while he was in the King's service, but it's unclear what any of this meant, and since he was beheaded on the king's order in 1540 before anyone could ask any clarifying questions, we'll never really know for certain. There was a document written by an anonymous author in January of 1536 that Mary Rose and these six ships were new made, and carbon dating of timbers recovered from Mary Rose confirms that repairs were made either in 1535 or 1536, which ran concurrently with the controversial dissolution of monasteries from which the pockets of the royal treasury were filled and gained Thomas Cromwell a lot of notoriety. We don't know how extensive these repairs were, but experts like Margaret Rule believe it could have been a complete rebuild from clinker planking to carvel planking. This, however, is not confirmed. Now, on to the third French war, because apparently we just can't get enough of the French. If Henry VIII had a relationship status on Facebook, it would be It's Complicated. This complicated marital life and the dissolution of monasteries angered the Pope as well as other Catholic rulers throughout Europe, making England even more of a lonely island diplomatically. Remember, this was a time where the Catholic Church was still incredibly powerful and it had a lot of control. The height and decline of the papacy are generally defined from the years 1073 to 1517, and despite us being a bit past this time frame, the Catholic Church still had an enormous following and was immensely powerful politically, ecclesiastically, and commonly among civilians. Protestantism, Lutheranism, and the Church of England headed by Henry VIII himself were on the rise during this time, but were still not as popular as Catholicism. Christianity started, essentially, with Catholicism and has evolved over time to have many separate religions, including Baptists, Evangelicalism, Presbyterianism, Methodism, and many more. Thanks to Henry VIII wanting a divorce from his first wife and creating a whole new church just to accomplish this goal, we are now at this third French war and he's on his sixth wife, Catherine Parr. In 1544, Henry VIII had agreed to lead an attack on the French town of Boulogne as part of a joint effort against France with Emperor Charles V, and despite it costing a great deal of resources and fine soldiers, England achieved the siege in September of 1544. However, the victory was short-lived as England was soon left destitute as Charles V had already achieved what he wanted and signed a peace treaty with France separate from England. This defeat left Henry VIII to be the laughingstock of his own country. The following spring in May of 1545, the estuary of the Seine was clogged with a large French fleet destined to land troops on English soil. Estimates for the fleet vary wildly, laying somewhere in the ballpark of 123 to 300 vessels according to the French, and according to chronicler Edward Hall, they had up to 226 sailing ships and galleys. Some 50,000 troops lay in wait at Havre de Grand, which is modern-day Le Havre, in addition to the fleet on the Seine. A considerably smaller troop of 16,000 English troops and 160 ships were ready at Portsmouth around early June, ready before the French were set to sail. They tried to make a preemptive strike against the French. However, it was unsuccessful. Early on in July, Admiral Claude d'Annaboult and the French fleet set sail for England. Entering the Solent with no opposition and with 128 ships on July 16th. At this time, the English had 80 ships to fight back against the French, including Mary Rose. Because they didn't have heavy galleys, they had to seek shelter in the relative safety of the Solent, and so the English retreated to Portsmouth Harbor. The English relied on one another for safety just as we rely on our wonderful patrons. This episode couldn't be possible without our lovely patrons. Thank you all so much. If you'd like to support the channel and future episodes, go to patreon.com slash Sunday to join. Enough of that. Let's get into the Battle of the Solent and the sinking of Mary Rose. Because the English fleet had retreated to Portsmouth Harbor, they were now trapped. On July 19, 1545, the French galleys pushed into the harbor, first threatening to destroy a force of 13 small galleys, which were the only ships able to move against them without wind in the crowded harbor. Luckily for the English, the winds were on their side and filled their sails so the larger vessels could aid the galleys before they were overwhelmed. Two of the largest ships led the attack on the French galleys in the Solent, and that would be the Henry Gros du and the Mary Rose. Something went terribly wrong very early on in this battle, and it was unfortunately just bad luck. The Mary Rose and her crew were in the heat of battle against French galleys when a sudden wind or wave pushed Mary Rose heavily to her starboard side, allowing water to rush in through the open gun ports. The crew, unable to stop what was happening and instantly panicking, scrambled to escape to the upper decks as she rapidly filled with water. She listed further and further, with equipment, supplies, ammunition, and storage containers shifting and worsening the list. To make matters worse, the enormous brick oven in the galley on the port side collapsed completely, and the huge 360-liter or 90-gallon copper cauldron was thrown up onto the Orlop deck above. Heavy guns came loose in the listing and slammed into the opposite side of the ship, blocking off exits for some men and instantly crushing others. For the men not killed or injured by moving objects, there was only a short window to reach safety, especially for those on the lower decks fetching ammunition or those on the main deck manning the guns. The halls that connected the decks were narrow and the men escaping here were bottlenecked, and this is evident by the sheer amount of skeletal remains that were discovered here. To make matters worse, the anti-boarding netting that covered the upper decks amidships and on the Stern Castle entangled men who had managed to escape to the upper decks pulling them down with the doomed Carrick. Of the crew of at least 400 men, only 35 managed to escape, giving us a survival rate under 10%. While all of this happened, it is rumored that Henry VIII watched her sink from South Sea Castle. Though we don't know the exact cause of the sinking of Mary Rose, the most common theory is that she was incredibly unstable for numerous reasons, and so when the wind hit her sails at a critical moment in battle, The open gun ports let water rush in, and she would have flooded and sank quickly. This reminds me of the sinking of HMHS Britannic in 1916. Nurses had left her windows open on the lower decks despite standing orders stating not to, and this doomed the ship to a quick demise. Mary Rose seems to have sunk under similar circumstances. Mary Rose's king only outlived her for about a year and a half, as Henry VIII would die on January 28, 1547, at the age of 55, being buried at St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle alongside his beloved third wife, Jane Seymour. As for the wreck of Mary Rose, she remained under the sea until October 11, 1982, when she was finally raised up from the depths. There had been numerous attempts throughout history to raise her, and she'd been lost and rediscovered multiple times. Nowadays, Mary Rose and her contents are being carefully preserved, and a large portion of her hull and remaining decks are on display at the Mary Rose Museum in Portsmouth. I'll link the website for the Mary Rose Museum in the description of this episode for those who would like to visit her one day. Mary Rose was a feat of engineering, but she didn't do much in her long career, as far as we know. She was overshadowed by her creator for his heinous actions, enormous ego, and lust for women and bloodshed. However, it is important to remember how she played a key role in the early days of England's Royal Navy, especially since Henry VIII's daughter, the most famous English monarch and the queen with one of the most impressive navies in history, Queen Elizabeth I, was able to defeat the Spanish Armada and cement her role in English history as a powerful woman and incredible monarch. As for Mary Rose, I hope we can continue to learn from her history and preserve her wreck for generations to come. If you liked that story and wanted to hear more stories about sailing ships, check out our schooners and sailing vessels playlist in the cards. Stay tuned next week for the story of USS Charles S. Sperry, a destroyer that served the U.S. during World War II and the Korean War, and then served the Chilean Navy in the later part of the 20th century. Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.